Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic, and on Fridays, I always talk about Surefoot. Um, sometimes I have some guests, and sometimes I am by myself. Um, so today I'm by myself, but I'm going to have Leslie Abel join me in a little bit, and she is my distribution manager, so I wanted you to be able to meet her. She's down in Texas. One of the amazing things about the internet now is that we can have a team of people around the world, which we do with Surefoot. Um, Joe Wattman is in Australia. Australia. Honcharol is our three hoof and also a great help for us in many ways, like with translations and things. And she's in the Netherlands. Um, I have Alex, Alex Hamilton, who's in Pennsylvania. She's my PA and helps me keep on top of all the emails and social media. And then Leslie's in Texas. So um, it's been a really interesting year for me with Surefoot. We've expanded a lot. I was all by myself um, at the beginning of this year. And then uh, for me, the pandemic has actually um, really helped because it's given me the time I needed to get a lot of the stuff for Surefoot kind of up and running on the administrative backside of it. A lot of stuff you, you probably aren't aware of, but we have been busy for what seems like the entire year getting things up and running. If you haven't seen the Surefoot Equine YouTube, sorry, Surefoot Equine website, um, you can go there and find lots of information about Surefoot. And of course, the webinars are all on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. And then on the Murdoch Method website, maybe I'll explain why we have two websites. On Murdoch Method, we have a quiz. So if you haven't taken the quiz, if you go to murdochmethod.com and under Surefoot on the drop down, it's the first one. Um, you can click on that. Uh, where do I start? I think it's what it's called. And you can take a little quiz and uh, put in the information about your horse. So just remember, this is a basic quiz. This is just to decide what pair of pads would be a good pair to start with with your horse, because that's the number one question that people ask is, where do I start? So we, um, it took us a little while to get this sorted out, but we found this great quiz. So you can go in and you can put in answers. And if you want to take it again, that's totally fine. You can retake it and do it as many times as you like to see what it suggests as the first pair of pads to start with, with your horse. Um, we do plan on adding more quizzes and we want to do them like um, if you've already got one pair of pads, what would be the next pair? Um, I just need a little time to kind of work through the logic on those questions. So uh, when we get those quizzes done, we'll post them up there and you can go and take those as well. We want to do one for farriers. Um, that's, they're a, a group um, barefoot trimmers that often ask us where to start. Um, and there's some different ideas there depending on what they're doing. Um, the other really exciting news is that come January, we are rebranding Surefoot. So um, long story short, I discovered that I was kind of making a mistake on something. And if you watch my webinar yesterday with Sherry and Laura Plunkett, which was fabulous, um, Sherry is a, is a coach and she had this beautiful little chart about awareness and decision and um, change and, and, and growth. And for me, it was so perfect because I saw that we, I, I discovered there was something in my marketing that needed to change. And I decided to take the opportunity to completely rebrand Surefoot. So in January, we're going to start rolling out the new logo. I love it. It's great. Um, and I'm really excited about it. So I hope you'll enjoy it as well. It means that I get to get new clothes because I have clothes with my brand. <laughs> but, you know, that's 
one of the things that's so important is to be able to make change. And I think that that's sort of a metaphor for what we see with the horses with Surefoot is that we start with a piece of awareness, we put a horse on a pad, and then it's a question of looking at what's going on and really being able to see what is there in front of us without making any kind of um, adding anything to it, but really keeping it simple and just straight observation in terms of longer, shorter, further, closer, you know, lighter, heavier, um, you know, positions in space. And with those observations, we can start to see things about our horse in ways that we might have missed. Uh, I can tell you for sure with one of my horses, I put him on the pads the other day and I looked at his front legs and I went, wow, I didn't realize you were towed out the way you are. So Al's a little towed in and Dunny's a little towed out, but I, I hadn't seen it as clearly as when I put him on pads. And then I was like, wow, that's really interesting. So um, that's one of my favorite things about Surefoot is it gives us a chance to really observe in a non-habitual way because the horses are going to adjust themselves or um, it's going to be more obvious. It's going to be easier to see what's going on. And one of the things that I've been messing with, and I'm just going to show you these pictures because it's not, I haven't um, fully done, uh, worked this through yet. I need to do a little more uh, investigation, but I'm going to offer it to you as a suggestion um, is that I started measuring the impression that the horse was making on the pad. So let me just make that bigger. So with the hard pad, obviously it gives to heat and pressure. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, they need to measure their horse's foot for a boot. Well, if you've ever tried to hold your horse's foot up and measure it, it's not always that easy. And so I was thinking, what if we use the pads as a way to measure the horse's foot for a boot and or a way to keep track of the size of our horse's foot and its shape as he's going through a change in shoeing or trimming. So what I did here was I had the horse, I think I have, uh, I'm just gonna back up. If I make you nauseous on this, hang on, let me just jump over. Um, so this is a, a, a laminitic horse that I've been working with. It's in my barn and she's had pretty severe laminitis and it has affected her foot. And I wanted to see how her foot shape is gonna change over time. Now I'm doing, hi Leslie, I'm doing the trimming myself. And so this is one of my project horses. She's not ridden and the owner has given me permission to do her feet. It's a totally a learning thing. Um, but what I've been doing is just experimenting with then seeing if I measure her foot and then I measure her foot on the impression that it made on the pad, whether or not I can correlate that to make it easier for me to see the changes rather than trying to hold her foot and measure it, which isn't always easy. So Leslie's just arrived, so I'd love to introduce her. Um, hi, Leslie. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hi, Wendy. Let's see if I can change my view here for a second. I don't know why it's a gallery view. There we go. Great. Hi, so Leslie, I, I just have um, basically let everybody know that you're my distribution manager and that you live in Texas, and that's about all I've told them. <laughs> That's all they need to know. No. <laughs> yes. So I um, run a very small dressage training business and riding instruction and found Wendy because I listened to the dressage radio show like a very faithful listener and heard that uh, she was looking for some help 
with her company. And that's how I think I sent you my resume and, yeah. and then you emailed me and we talked a little bit on the phone and then COVID hit. And so that kind of put a pause on everything for a while. And then we, um, and then we reconnected, I think in May, if I it's remember. May or June. Yeah. Yeah. It's been yeah. a few months now for sure. It's amazing how fast time flies, but for sure. you know, and I think originally we had talked about me coming on board to work with the international resellers, but then it's sort of expanded and grown from there. Just um, I think I help a little bit with, I try to help as much as I can with all the little areas of, <laughs> of the business. So, so Leslie's great. You, some of you may have, uh, uh, if you've emailed me, you might've uh, chatted with Leslie, but one of the, her, her biggest jobs is to wrangle me into actually getting the footage done for the online learning system that we are developing. Yes. So um, if you're wondering, you know, where is that online learning system um, you can ask Leslie, but then she'll come back and harass me because it's my, it's my fault I, that I haven't gotten it done yet. I'm going to take full responsibility for that and not put that on Leslie. And to be fair, I think anytime you're starting something like that from scratch, it's a big undertaking, yeah. right? So it's not, I think you've got a lot of plates in the, in the air. Yeah, I've got a lot of spinning discs. Yes. I feel yeah. like I'm holding on those discs a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I, I we'll get it done for sure, but it's, yeah. and it's coming along and I think it's going to be really great and helpful for everyone out yeah. there. So one of the things that I've been working on is taking footage and then putting it into slow motion and then some freeze frames and stuff to really highlight some of the points that I'm trying to make. And we've done a little bit of that here in some of these webinars, but I really think that that's gonna be one of the things that's gonna be helpful for people because the, the one question that I start, what I started with when I started Surefoot was, could people see what I see? And one of the reasons that I've been a good writing instructor is that I, I do have an eye for movement. Um, I can tell you that I don't have an eye for static because Brad moved a 20 foot tree from the front of the house and put it down along the driveway, sent me photos and I didn't notice. So <laughs> <laughs> That's I was like, why are you sending me these pictures? And then he's like, cause I moved the tree. I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> So, so if it, I don't see it move, I, it, I'm not so good, but if, if I see some movement, I, I can pick it up. So I've been working on those kind of videos for the online learning system. And um, Leslie is also super helpful. She's handling the resellers, but we've started an affiliate program for uh, equine professionals who um, if, uh, may want to, to um, you know, promote Surefoot to their clients. And so we have an affiliate program and she's also handling the sponsorship program. So we have both of those up and running and Leslie's the person. Um, and Leslie, if people wanna reach you, what's the best way to reach you? Cause you don't actually have a, a website address through us. Right, so I think probably the best way would be for them to email me at leslieable2020, super original, at gmail.com. <laughs> Maybe just pop that in the chat. So yeah, I can do that. I'll pop great. that in the chat. But that's probably the easiest way for people to get a hold of me. Great. And then Leslie, um, after you do that, I wanted to have you talk a little bit about, you know, I've, I've told people over and over that when they start with their horse, that they need to keep the sessions short. Um, and then I remember that you told me your story of what you what happened with your mayor. Oh boy, yes. So I thought maybe you could talk to people a little bit about that because I say it all the time, but I think it's more important when someone else 
talks about it. So Leslie hadn't used Surefoot with her horse prior to starting to work with me. And so I sent her down some pads um, and just go ahead and tell them a little bit about uh, your experience. So my experience was that I, um, you know, I watched the, the videos on the YouTube because I'm, I'm really, I'm a rule follower and I follow directions really well. So I wanted to do it exactly the way it was supposed to be done. So I watched your videos, Wendy, and then I took my pads out there and my horse is super calm and chill and she's not, you know, it's, she's not easily worried by anything. So I, I figured she'd probably be okay with the pads and, you know, throw, you know, kind of tossing them down on the ground and stuff like that. Um, and she was. So the first time I used them, let me think, I think the first time I used them, I was really good. And I did just the 15 to 20 seconds, you know, and I started with the one front foot and then I did that three times with a little walk around in between. And then I moved to the other front foot and then the walk around in between. So I followed it really to the letter and it was great. And, you know, and she kind of was like, oh, okay. And she licked and chewed a little bit and it was kind of cool. And I was like, oh, wow, look, that really does can make her relax. Then I did it the next time. I think it was the second time I did it. <laughs> I got a little greedy, not going to lie. And so I um, had her on those pads and I think I put her on the pads maybe for, what did I say? Maybe a minute. I think I increased it. I even used my watch with my timer and I increased it to about a minute. Now granted it's only the second time, still did the front feet first, still followed the pattern. Then I moved to the back feet. Well, my horse has a little bit of a, a crookedness issue to the right, particularly in the canter. And I thought, I'm going to start, I'm going to work on this diagonal pair. I'm going to do that. So I put one in the front and one in the back and, you know, did the diagonal pair and made her stand on there, you know, not made her, but had her stand on there for you know, 30, 45 seconds to a minute. Then after I did all that it was probably I don't know probably 30 minutes total by the time I was done with that then my body worker had was coming and so I had her um, do her magna wave session right after so all that was fine everything seemed great got her out the next day settled her up went to do a workout and boy was she not happy with me <laughs> she was pretty sore I think um, from all of the, the surefoot and then putting her in the magna wave. And so I, I immediately, I think I immediately, we had a call that day or something. And I was like, Hey, let me tell you what happened. I don't know what it did wrong, <laughs> but it was definitely a little too much. So, um, everything's fine now. I backed out off again and, and we're, we're good to go. And, um, she was totally fine. Like, I think the set, the next day after that, she was okay, but, but she was definitely sore. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's one of those things you can't, you can't judge ahead of time, whether or not the horse is going to be sore. In other words, your horse was calm. Yeah. A little bit of something in the canner, nothing really big. Um, and she's in regular work and under and training. And so, you know, you would guess that, you know, that length of time would be fine. Right. right. If I was to just guess. But we never really know until we get there. And that's the thing that I've seen with Surefoot is that it's surprising sometimes how little it takes to have a big result. Um, whether that result is positive, whether that result is my horse is a bit sore today, um, whether it's a change in behavior, it's, it's so hard to know. And what I always tell people is you can't undo what you've done. 
right? So if they if they do wind up a little bit sore, you can't make them unsore. You can't you know say sorry, you know, do over or erase that. You just have to give them the time so that they feel better and then and then realize, wow, in this instance, that was too much. Um, because I so often, you know, have people contact me and go, oh, I had my horse on pads for five minutes. And I'm like, for the first time. And I'm like, whoa. And it's not that you can't do that or that there are horses where that is beneficial, but it's so hard to judge that unless you've worked with a lot of horses. Um, and so, you know, like um, I have, a, I'll show some video of a horse that I worked with and I did let him stand on pads for five minutes, but they were the hard pads which had very, you know, no lateral give and he did not sway, he was totally calm. So I could leave him for longer and it, it just made a huge shift. And so if, I think what I'd like to do is actually, I have that in a slideshow um, and let me just find that particular slide so I can show you that because uh, I did mention him before but I'm not sure that I've given people the update on Lars. So uh, let me just screen share here for me. And Leslie, if you want to hang with us, that would be awesome. And if you sure, want to, yeah, cool. Okay, great. Um, so let me just start this. So this is Lars and Lars was a uh, Amish driving horse and he was at least 17 hands. So he was a pretty big boy. Um, and the owner bought him to fox hunt. And I have permission to use these pictures. Um, and you can see how high-headed he was. He was probably most likely driven in an overcheck. Um, he was an older horse, so it's not like he, you know, he was young. And she actually came off of him one time. She slid right off his butt because he got so high in front and so low behind. <laughs> she came off. So he came to the Surefoot workshop that I did in Pennsylvania in October. And the bottom picture here was the change that we saw with this horse during the workshop. In fact, it happened on the first day. So I started with one hard pad, put it under each front foot separately, you know, had him walk in between. And then again, he was a very quiet horse. Um, and with driving horses, you have to be a bit careful because they're taught to stand and not move until you tell them to move, which is a safety factor. It's really important. You know, if you're hooking them up and they're halfway hooked and they move, that's really bad. So they need to stand as long as you ask them to stand. Um, so he was very quiet. I let him stand on the pads for about five minutes and the lower picture here, and I don't know where my pointer has gone, but um, the lower picture is the change we saw in the workshop um, on the second day, which this was the first day because there's another horse in the arena. So that's how I know. Um, on the second day, he was really reaching into the contact. Um, so this was uh, I used my coach's eye program. If you haven't heard about coach's eye and I don't know where where my, um, why my pointer is not showing up because I can't move us. But anyway, um, I use coach's eye and I take video before and then video after, and then you can put it side by side and, and take screenshots. So um, this is him the next day on the right in the red shirt. And he was really reaching into the contact. And then what was so cool is that the owner sent video and this is Lars from only those two sessions with Surefoot and the difference in this horse's head carriage from just two sessions. And it's just so, I was so great for her to send that footage because he literally looked like a giraffe when we started. His head carriage was so high 
And so you can see here that his neck is down and low and he's reaching into the contact. And believe me, for fox hunting, this is a way better outline. <laughs> um, so really we, let's see, let's see if I can escape out of that. Um, you know, that the total time that he was on pads on the first day maybe was six minutes if I had timed the actual time he was on the pads. And on the second day, um, we I did do some with his back feet. I did put, put some hard slants under his back feet. We really only used the hard pads. It wasn't like we did a lot of changes and used a lot of densities. And that's the kind of change that we saw with that horse, which is just, I find that, um, so exciting to see that horses can make that much change. And I think that's one of the things that we're often led to believe that um, we have to do things over and over and over and over again to cement it in to get a change. Uh, and Leslie, you know, I'm sure that you've probably seen that in training because you've trained with a lot of people. Um, and this idea that, um, you know, some people say you have to do it so many times before it's going to become a new habit. but um, what I see with Surefoot is in some cases that's absolutely not true and that that change can happen rapidly. Um, this reminds me of, again, the webinar we did with Laura Plunkett and Sherry Goodwin yesterday because she showed a video of her off the track thoroughbred who had been shown a tarp on one day and he was totally terrified of it. And then she didn't touch it. She, did, she just left him alone and didn't ask him to go over it or anything and left him alone. And then a month later, she's again in her arena. He was he was free, he was at liberty. Um, and she pulls out the tarp and she sets it on the ground and he walks straight over it with no practice in between. So I think sometimes we, we have this belief system that we have to repeat things over and over and over to create a change but that doesn't acknowledge the intelligence of the nervous system, doesn't acknowledge uh, the ability to process information. And while I don't think horses process information quite the way we do, because they can't think, like they can't imagine things the way we do, they still process information. They still think about the lessons. And I know with my horse, Al, um, I was, this is a couple of years ago now, I was working on counter canner and my arena is very slopey. And so it's, it's not easy to do because it's, it's banked badly. Um, and we were working on counter canner and he was starting to figure it out. And then I went away for six weeks. And when I came back and I went down to the arena, the first thing he wanted to do was counter canner and show me that he'd been thinking about it, <laughs> you know? So horses really do think about things in their way and process information in their way. It just may not be the same way we do in the cognitive type of thinking, but there's a replay of movement. Um, and this is where, if we think about the Feldenkrais method, and that's actually the roots of how I created Surefoot, um, this, this experience in movement, we are movement-based creatures and so are horses. And we have to have movement experiences and then ability to kind of process that information so that we can make choices. So I'd actually like to do a, a tiny little Feldenkrais um, experience with everybody just to give you an idea, okay? You up for it? So it's really simple. You're gonna take your hands and you're just gonna intertwine your fingers and just notice which thumb is on top. So for me, my left thumb is on top. 
okay? So just notice which dilemma is on top. And now take your fingers apart and re-intertwine them so that your other thumb winds up on top. So in this case, it would be my right thumb. And notice how that feels, okay? Just notice, does that feel awkward? Does that feel strange? Does that feel different, right? And then for some people, even this is difficult. And so we're gonna do it very slowly. Just take your fingers apart and then very slowly intertwine one finger at a time and really think about it, okay? So that you can feel how each finger is nestled into the next one, right? And now untwine your fingers and go back to your habit. And it's probably gonna feel, wow, that feels, you can take a breath, it feels better, and then just rest for a moment. So then just set your hands down and just rest and we'll just give your brain a little time to process that little piece of information that we've gathered. And so in the Feldenkrais method, we talk about what's called non-habitual movements or movements that you wouldn't typically do. And surefoot is a non-habitual movement for a horse. It's not something he would typically do is to stand on an unstable surface. So bring your hands up again and just intertwine your fingers and just notice if they went the habit way or the, or the non-habitual way. I happen to wind up in the non-habitual pattern. And then just switch your hands back and forth a few times as slowly as you need to. If you need to intertwine each finger one at a time, that's fine. Okay. And just do it a few times. And notice now, just stop and notice which thumb is on top and how that feels and then go to the other pattern and notice how that feels, okay? And most, <laughs> what do you, come on, Leslie, put your sound back on and tell us what you're, because you're laughing. <laughs> well, I'm just amazed at how now it feels normal both ways. Exactly, that's exactly right. You're so full of voodoo. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just taking a moment to become aware to slow it down enough that you can figure out the other way, right? And then of course, it's then you can start to go quickly because you understand how to do it, right? And then pretty soon it feels the same either way. So now, and this is the most important thing, you now have a choice. And it's the choice that's so critical because if you are stuck with your habit and that's the only way you can do it, and the hands being, you know, a, a sort of a metaphor for other things. It's the only way you can do it. And then for whatever reason, you can't do it this way. Say you've hurt your thumb and you can't have it underneath, right? What are you going to do? You're stuck. You're absolutely stuck. You have one choice and that's it. And so Feldenkrais was, he was all about creating new possibilities of movement. This is a new possibility of movement. And then putting that into a function, something that goes back into a way that we might use our body. And we're sitting, so I can't show you one. You know, like uh, there's a lot of Feldenkrais lessons that are about reaching and how the whole arm spirals. And if I want to get more length and more height, how my ribs have to move and the whole thing is how we organize our entire body in a function rather than just going, uh, 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 I can't reach the light bulb and now my shoulder hurts, right? Versus being able to use our whole body and so with Surefoot, that's really the roots of Surefoot is the Feldenkrais method. And with Surefoot, it's about the same thing of giving the horse an option, bringing in awareness by placing his foot on a pad, letting him explore that, 
right? Not having rules about it, like you have to stay, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've had horses literally touch the pad for a second and completely change. Um, but offering them an option. And the piece for me that is still the most fascinating is how we can see such amazing changes like with Lars in such a short period of time. They're, they're, well, I totally believe in making new neural pathways and new possibilities of movement like building dendrites in your brain and new pathways. Um, the rapidity by which some of these changes occur tell me that I we're actually probably restoring patterns of movement that Lars at some point in his life moved with his neck down. And that's, you know, then he became a driving horse and had to move with his neck up. But that when given the choice, the option to restore the movement to neck down, it felt better to him. And so that's the one he chose. We didn't make him choose it. We just gave him the opportunity. And so now he had two patterns, right? Neck up and neck down and pick the one that felt better. And one of the things that I always trust is that the nervous system seeks ease. The, the nervous system really wants ease. We don't want to be in a state of stress. And a horse traveling in that neck up position all the time is in a state of stress. His, all of his extensor muscles have to be really tight and really short. He can't see very well up there. He can't necessarily feel where his feet are very well. And so given the choice to go with the neck down, he did. So somebody's got a question here. So I'm gonna just check that out. Let's see, do different neural pathways evolve in the horses stand on pads under the rider? Um, so I, I can't say specifically that different neural pathways evolve, but what I can say is that you want to address the habits that occur environmentally. So um, I, I just did a lecture for the International Congress in Germany this morning, and I talked about the fact that you can work with a horse in the barn and do surefoot or massage or T-touch or Masterson, all these sort of things. And the horse feels fabulous in the barn where he's safe, right? And comfortable. And then you put his tack on and take him into the arena and you have a totally different horse because it may be that that horse experienced pain from a poor fitting saddle or um, there was a scary corner in the arena or you know something bad happened to him. And so now we have an environmental habit. It's not um, a habit that is, exists wherever the horse is. It's a habit that exists when the horse is in a particular space. And unless we address those environmental habits, we're not gonna resolve the issues that we have under saddle. So um, my favorite way to kind of express this is, what do you like when you visit your mother? And what do you like when you visit your friends? And most people laugh because when we visit our mothers, you know, my mother was older and you'd sit and you, you know, you, she'd pay attention to your posture. And so you'd want to make sure that, you know, and all that, and you visit your friends and you're like, you know, you're relaxed and you chill out. So the horse in his stall is kind of like visiting his friends and then he gets his tack on and taken to the arena. And maybe there's a trainer that's kind of loud and suddenly he's nervous because it's because of the environment. Um, use a cone or a pad. You can use, absolutely use cones and pads to help lower horses necks. And we have a great webinar that I've done with Robin Hood. If you go back into the Surefoot webinars um, and look for the ones with Robin Hood, because we talked about um, Shiner, who was a Mustang. Um, and this is up at the Icelandic Horse Farm in Canada. And he was really rather stoic and sort of disinterested. 
Um, and he, he was very difficult to pick up two feet. And when you were trotting him, he'd hippie hop into canter because of the stuck diagonal. And when we did surefoot with him, um, not only did the diagonal become unstuck, but he came into the arena with ears up, excited. What are we gonna do? Are there pads in there? And he's so cute. And then I did musical pads with him. So, you know, while surefoot is an offer, you can take that into positive uh, motivation. And so I set up a ring of pads. I'd put it in like a 20 meter circle and then he would trot to a pad and I'd go over and put his foot on the pad and he'd get really happy. And then he'd trot again and I would stand in the center. And as soon as he saw me walking to a pad, he would trot like crazy to get to that pad so I could put his foot on it. So, you know, when these horses start to figure out it's, it's feels good you can really change an environment. You can change a scary corner. You can change a horse that won't stand at a mounting block. You can change a horse that gets nervous or anxious. Um, you can even stop a lesson. And I've done this, stop a lesson in the middle of something, put the horse on pads for five minutes, go back to the lesson and instantly have what we couldn't get for 45 minutes. So I think sometimes it's, it's that we get so focused on trying to make something happen, it's really hard for us to stop, to just stop and then look for an alternate path. Um, and you, I'm sure you've, and Leslie, I'm sure you've been there with this, where you see trainers and they start trying to get the rider to do something with their horse and it's not happening. And the trainer starts getting louder and louder and yelling. And then, <laughs> oh yeah. And saying the same thing, just louder, louder. And they think louder is going to make it better. But if you don't know how to do it, louder doesn't make it better. It's just pounding, right? That's the same idea here. Um, and so and I just so many times when I've watched those kind of lessons and I can see the rider is absolutely not where they need to be to even begin to accomplish the task. And the poor horse just suffers and the rider suffers. And what do they learn? They learn that it's difficult, it's hard, it's not possible, it's gonna be really painful. Um, and then anytime anybody starts getting loud, everybody panics. So, you know, that's a great opportunity where we just need to stop. <laughs> and if you've got a pad, great, use it. You know, you can get off your horse if you're by yourself, put the horse on a pad, stand on a pad yourself, take a deep breath and then begin again. And I think that that actually for people, it's one of the hardest things to do literally is to stop. Um, and I just want to show, I, I, for the lecture this morning, I, I pulled up, um, some examples under saddle. And I just, I think I'll just kind of show that um, so that we can talk about. Bob is another horse that, um, I don't know why I can't find my pointer to, hopefully you can see this because I can't move my little pictures of me. Um, but you can see Bob before and after. And this was a horse that had raced for many years. Um, when he came off the track, he flipped over and broke his withers. And we did three sessions over four days. And then Bob continued to get better after that. So obviously I, I worked with him. I started with the hard pad, actually the physio pad under one foot, and then very gradually started adding more pads and different feet. And he actually kicked me with his right hind leg. He was so defensive about his right hind leg. It wasn't bad, but he was just warning me that that was a really difficult leg for him. And you know, rather than getting after him, it was like, I rushed it. I should have slowed down even more and given him a little more space. 
Um, fortunately, I didn't get hurt, but you know, he was clearly very anxious and defensive about that. Um, but when he came back for the second and third sessions, he was each time better and better and more willing to be in the arena. Um, and the beauty of this is that he's continued to improve uh, during that fall and winter without seeing the pads again. It's like we set him into a good spiral and he just kept improving. Um, and this is Moon Pie. Um, she's one of my, I actually have the video here. So let me just get to the video. Um, and so this was a, a video I made about Surefoot. And here she is on the left before we did the Surefoot session. She had had Lyme disease and been treated for Lyme disease. And so um, she was not moving very well after that. And it shows up here very clearly in the trot. On the left is the before, and Kathy's in the yellow shirt, and on the right is the after. And you can just see this is a different arena because I called Kathy up and said, I need you to come and be my model because I've lost a model for this other video that I'm filming. So that's why Kathy is staring off into the space and, and everything. But Moon Pie on the left, you can see that's how she was moving, twisting her neck before we started with Surefoot. And the picture on the right is the next day, less than 24 hours later. And here she is in Canner. And so we never did another session with her. She stayed the way she is there in the after. Um, and we don't have any video of her cantering to the right because we couldn't even get canter to the right in the before. Um, Kathy was unwilling to canter her to the right. She felt so unstable and insecure. Um, and so it doesn't even look like the same horse. It doesn't look like the same muscling, the same tone. This, you know, There's so many things different here. Um, and that was just one session. So Moon Pie showed us what she wanted. We wound up with her on four pads um, and we had her move in between. And this is Auctioneer. He was diagnosed with navicular disease. And again, we just did the pads and this is actually during the session, um, the amount of change that we saw. And Kathy's a really good rider, but she was told not to interfere with the horses and she did a really good job. Um, but this is where sometimes we just need to give the horse a sense of himself in a different way in the environment of being ridden. The one requirement is that you need a ground person. You need someone else who can place the pads underneath the horse's feet while you're sitting on top. Um, and so let's see if I can get back to, yeah, there we go. So that, that is the kind of the tricky thing is to have that ground person with you that you feel comfortable with. And it's super important that it's someone that is A, familiar with Surefoot and B, listens to you. So if you say, no, just let him sit for a second or please do the other foot, they, they listen to you. Um, I, I always like to start the horse without a rider on top to just let him feel the pads. And then when the rider is up, you have to realize that now the horse has to figure out how to give you that foot with the weight of a rider on his back. So sometimes you have to give him a little bit longer, not be in a hurry, maybe go to a different foot. Um, uh, watch out that the rider doesn't kick you. <laughs> One of the cautions is um, depending on the height of the horse and where the rider's foot is, uh, I've had to be careful because sometimes they can kick me, um, not intentionally, but it's just when you're working with the front leg. Um, and again, you keep the duration short. And if the horse needs to walk off, you let the horse walk off. But what I love about working under saddle 
um, maybe because I'm a riding instructor first and foremost, is that you can so feel the horse thinking about where he's placing that foot afterward. You can so feel him intentionally putting each foot down. Um, and some horses come off and they're moving very slowly. You have to really give them time because they're really kind of trying to figure it out. Other horses come off and they stride right out. Um, and there's everything in between. Uh, the first horse I worked with six months after the first time I worked with him, I saw him again and I was able to place a pad under each foot. Uh, the first session was only his back feet. But when he came off the pads on that second session, when he was on all four feet, he moved in a lameness pattern that we had not seen with that horse for over three years. And he stayed in that pattern for about 20 minutes. The rider and I were both freaking out. She was like, you broke my horse. And I was like, I'm not sure what's going on um, because he was totally fine when he came into the arena that day. We didn't see any sign of lameness or any sign of stiffness or short moving. Um, but I really believe that it triggered an, the old pattern. It brought it back up again. And sometimes if we're gonna make a change, the old ideas have to come to the surface consciously for us to acknowledge it and then choose. And so after 20 minutes, this horse just let that pattern go and wound up moving beautifully. Um, but it was 20 minutes of kind of anxiety for the rider and I. <laughs> so um, Leslie, have you been using Surefoot with any of your students? So I've been using them with my students' horses. I haven't actually let my students be involved quite yet. I, I wanted to introduce the horses to the pads first without the owners there. Sometimes, um, I'm sure you've seen this a bunch, but you know, sometimes they're well intentions of you know, trying to make the horse stand still or I'm, af I'm afraid they'll get too, um, I don't know, like sensitive to, oh, well, they're moving, keep them on it, you know? And, and so I've, I've sort of kept them out of it while I introduce them to the horses, but I've used them now with probably, I was just thinking about it, I think maybe four of my training horses um, and they're all very different uh, temperaments, very different styles of horses, very, they all do dressage, but they're, you know, there are different sizes, different shapes, different temperaments. Um, I've got some that are spooky and sort of hot and then some that are super placid. So, and then I've got a couple that have had some old injuries that are sort of, you know, like cartilage damage and things that are there, but not there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I've had, I've kind of, they've been, it's been a little bit all over the map and it's been really interesting. Some of the common things that I've seen for sure are just the licking and chewing, the initiation of the, that relaxation, you know, going into the parasympathetic nervous system. I mean, just lots of um, the grazing, you know, putting them in that grazing posture when they walk off. Um, I even had one that wanted to roll. I think she yeah. wanted to lay down. That was my own horse. Cause she's, she likes to nap. So <laughs> she was like, Oh good, let's nap. But, um, so I've seen some similarities, but then just some differences too. I have some that sway and some that don't, you know, some that walk off almost immediately. I've had the toe resting, um, you know, some of that. So I've, I've kind of seen a little bit of everything, uh, but the, but the one thing that I think I've noticed the most is that they all seem to, um, 
really relax with it. A lot of, you know, the breathing changes, I've seen that in all of them. So definitely that getting them to sort of relax and just be, you know, kind of let out those breath is a big thing that I've seen with all of them. You know, you bring up a really good point. And that is the one, one of the things um, that when I work with owners, they're so invested in the horse being good, you know, <laughs> that the horse stands and he doesn't move and he doesn't disturb. And, and it's so hard for people to let go of that habit of kind of controlling their horse. And this is an opportunity where the horses are, are not supposed to be controlled and packaged. Um, they're supposed to be allowed to move off. And, you know, my example is if you're standing on something unstable and you feel out of balance and somebody tells you, you got to stay there, it's just going to raise your anxiety level, right? It's going to make you more nervous because you don't feel stable. You don't feel safe. And they're telling you, you can't leave. So it's a, it, but it, it, it does take educating the owners to allow it to step back too. That's the other thing is they tend to want to crowd the horse and pet and do all this. And it's like, my example is if you're having a really nice massage and somebody comes along and pounds on you, how's that feel? <laughs> right. You know, you want to be in that peaceful place and just soak it up. And so sometimes what I do is I put owners on a pad, kind of step them back and put oh. them on a pad to kind of give the horse some space because the horse needs space. And this again, goes back to my Feldenkrais training. One of the things that's so interesting is that a lot of the lessons are done. You're laying on the floor and you're on a mat. And if you have your shoes and your notebook and your bottle of water and somebody else's shoes, you, you actually change how you move, you restrict. Um, and so, you know, we were always taught to take all of our stuff and put it up against the wall and away from our space. And it is fascinating to watch how just putting a notebook or a pair of shoes or a bottle of water near you alters the way you move. And that's humans, right? And then we think about horses, which requires so much more space because they have such a big body that when there's something, you know, a person standing too close to them or a person that's messing with them or even the rider with this petting them or leaning forward, that's changing their balance. Um, and so, you know, giving them more space. Um, yeah, somebody says, I have better success with Tellington and Surefoot when I wrap the owners. That's a really good point to use the body wraps on the owners, Janet. Absolutely. Um, and that's you and wrap them and stick them on a pad. You can do both um, just to get that space. Um, and yeah, it helps them be present. It helps them be in the moment, which horses always are. They're always present and in the moment. They're not thinking about, you know, what they had for dinner last night or, you know, what they're going to cook for dinner tonight. Um, so, um, so you haven't tried, Leslie, you haven't tried it with any of your students on their horses yet. Not yet. I, not yet. I have one that I particular, well, actually two that I particularly want to try. I just wanted the horses to be more comfortable with the pads before I asked them to do it with the rider. But, and I actually haven't done any mounted yet with my own horse, just because I never have, seems like I never have anybody there that knows what to do, that would know what to do, you know, at the time. So I haven't had a chance to do that. However, I have used them, you know, I'll tack her up, put her on the pads and then get on. Mm. And that I've done that a little bit. And that seems to um, sort of shorten my warm up period a little bit, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, um, um, that's it absolutely will. In fact, we had a, a hunter barn that used to lunge the horses to warm them up and they started using pads and completely stopped lunging. 
Oh, which is probably way better yeah. for the horse. A lot less, yeah. less on the horses, uh, yeah. but getting the same effect. So that's that's a uh, warm up and cool down are both really great places. Uh, post trailering. So when you think about trailering for every hour, the horse is in a trailer, it's like walking for an hour. Um, and you think about, you know, hauling them somewhere and then taking them out and just throwing them in a stall. Um, that's where you can actually take them out of the trailer, put them on surefoot pads, let them let down. And um, we have people that actually can tell they've been using surefoot enough that when they do that, they can see how well that horse handled the trailer ride. So, um, you know, whether there's increased fatigue or that sort of thing. And then I have one really interesting story about trailering where um, someone brought their horse down from Pennsylvania to a Sharon Wilsey clinic in Virginia. And the horse rode down terribly, really badly. And then he was uh, stabled in a, in a pen outside next to a golf course and they were having a golf tournament. So these guys were whacking balls all morning. Yeah. And this poor horse was just distraught. He was, he just couldn't handle it. And I arrived to go to Sharon's clinic and realized the horse was stressed. So I grabbed my half physio pad and this horse had been on surefoot pads a couple of years before, but not for a couple of years. Um, and I just started working with the half physio pad and you could see that I had other choices there. He was not interested, just like the half physio. Um, he let down in about 10, less than that, but you know, like consistently in about 10 minutes and he started to eat hay. And so I told the owners they were gonna go home. And I told the owners, let the horse eat hay until he's you know, really had a nice quiet time and then load him up in the trailer and take him home. Well, on their way home, they broke down on the Beltway in Washington, D.C. They had a flat tire. Yes. And so then they had to, they called us and we were like, oh my goodness. Um, it was a van, so it had dual wheels behind. So they, were, they could get off the highway. They got off the highway. They finally got to, it was a Sunday. They finally got to a garage that could fix the tire. They didn't have to take the horses off, thank goodness. And they got home and it took them, I don't know, they got home at like 10 o'clock at night. And that horse walked off and was quiet that whole entire ride home. So, you know, here's an example. And can I say absolutely it's surefoot? No, but can I be pretty sure that he rode down badly and went home calmly that it had an influence? Yes, I, I believe it did. Um, and so it's really worth taking that moment to just get your horse familiar with surefoot because you never know when there might be an emergency and you need to really help them calm down. Um, and if they're familiar with the pads and they see them, even seeing them, um, we have somebody looking at, at heart rate and she, she uh, has, a, has a mini whose heart rate's been very high and she's been using Surefoot and seeing it come down. And then one day she emailed me and said, you know, I went out and his heart rate was already low. And I, and I emailed her back. I said, could he see the pads when you went out there? And she said, yes. So just seeing Surefoot pads can help relax horses once they're familiar with it. It's really, it's a lot of fun. So, um, all right, we only have a few minutes left. So if anybody has any questions that they wanna ask me, anything about technique, um, just pop in the chat or put it in the q and I'm happy to answer your questions. Um, Leslie, do you have any questions? I was just thinking, do I have any questions? You know, I think it's interesting. We had a, um, I'll tell you a little story. We had a, 
one of my client horses last yesterday, I went over to teach a lesson in the afternoon and, and got to the barn and the owner was there tacking up and the horse was super agitated and she's not, she's not usually, she's usually really good in the cross ties and she was just agitated and kind of kicking a little bit at the, she was kicking the broom that was over in the corner, which was weird. We were kind of watching her going, what the heck is she doing? And it turns out she was having a little bit of a gas colic. Oh. And um, so we had our body worker happen to be there with her MagnaWave and she MagnaWaved her a little bit, but I'm actually going to put her on the pads today when I go over there later. And I think instead of, you know, riding, I'm going to do that as a session and just see. And I think, and she's, she's, I've done the pads with her a few times and every time she goes from, checking me out and get, you know, looking in my pocket. She's very much, she's a very treat oriented horse. And so she's in my pocket to just, when I put her on the pads, her eyes just droop and she gets in herself, you know, where she starts to really, I think, internalize and think she's focusing and she's not even looking at me anymore. And it's such a cool thing to watch her change. And so I'm really curious after her little gas issue mm -hmm. yesterday if this will make her feel even better today so I'm kind of yeah no that's a really good idea we've had horses we've had cases reported where they use the pads when a horse was colicking and the horses stopped colicking now I always tell people call your vet right sure. but if you've got pads go and put the horse on a pad if they don't want it they'll step off but right uh, um yeah and I'd be really but you bring up a really interesting point that some of these horses that are so distracted uh like uh fooling around like searching for treats, they're really not okay. They're, they're sort of, um, uh, Robin Hood calls it domesticated flight. They're redirecting their anxiety into other behaviors that we consider bad behaviors or, you know, being obnoxious or whatever, or overly fussy. And, and really what it is, they're self-distracting. You know, they're not okay. And so they're just trying to find like kids, they're just self-distracting. Um, and when they really find that peacefulness, you know, that, that zero that Sharon Wilsey talks about that, you know, internal, okay, then they just, those behaviors go away. So that's so awesome. Um, and then I've had a question here about somebody asking about uh, pregnant mares. Um, I do know of at least one pregnant mare that was put on pads and the horse really, really enjoyed it. Um, we see no contraindications for that. Again, it's really letting the horse choose if she wants to step off. Um, but yeah, uh, we've, we've had people use it with pregnant mares. And then Rhonda's saying she has a, only has a physiopad. And at first the horses stayed on, on them for quite a while and now they don't have much interest. Yes, I would say, sure, Rhonda, it's time to, to have something a little bit different. Um, variety is the spice of life. So um, having like maybe a pair of firm slants and a pair of soft or the medium, something different to give them some choices. And then you can mix and match it up. So absolutely. I think that'd be a great idea. I ran into that too, Wendy, where I had, you know, I think I had talked to you about this before, but my mare, you know, I used the pads with her for, you know, three or four times. And then she sort of just lost interest. She just really wasn't that interested. So I just kind of gave her a break for a couple of weeks. And I just didn't even bring the pads out. And then when I brought them out, it was like they were new. Yeah. <laughs> so she, it was kind of like when I, you know, it, it, it was almost like she forgot about them or I don't, she didn't forget about them, but you know what I mean? She wasn't, she was yeah. interested in them again. And then, um, and then also I started 
like a starter on her back feet first instead of the front and just kind of mixing it up like that too has helped a little bit. Well, it's kind of like if, you know, you have hamburger every night for dinner for five nights, pretty soon you're like hamburger again, you know? So yeah, sometimes just not using, and that's not uncommon at all. Um, we have people that, you know, don't use the pads for a while. And I had one horse, he was the most afraid horse I've ever had when I presented the pad, he was running backwards and I was nowhere near him. Um, and I spent maybe 15 minutes, just uh, took the rider off and just to help him get a little comfortable. And then I didn't see him for six months. And when I saw him six months later, he stood on four pads, no halter in the middle of the room fell asleep, totally chill, you know? So sometimes again, giving them that break and just uh, letting them kind of think about it. Right. And then coming back again, it's a great idea. All right, well, we've come to the end of another hour. So I wanna thank everybody for joining me. And Leslie, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, it's great to have me. you along and for people to meet you. Um, and just remember, we're gonna take a break from the webinars. We'll be back in January and we'll send out that email with the list of our guests in January. So have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah. And um, let's just ring in 2021. <laughs> it's a whole new year bright and looking forward. All right, everybody, take care and thanks. Bye. Bye.